It is my honor to introduce to you tonight uh, a woman who has become like a sister to me. We are ministry partners and prayer partners, uh, and every time we're around each other, we have grown closer and closer. She told me a little while ago when, uh, when I came back into the sanctuary, she asked me if I was going to help her. Uh, I had to ask her about sharing the history of Patty's heart, and she said, would you help me? And I'm like, no, you can, you can do this. She goes, but we have one side and then we have the other side. Um, and so uh, I'm going to be up here on the podium for a little while. We're going to give you a brief history of Patty's heart. But before I call her up here, I just want to say that this is an absolute woman of faith. You're going to hear a little bit about her story tonight, uh, even as we share the history of Patty's heart. She is a woman whose husband passed away. Uh, many of you might remember in, that Pastor Ben was here in September of 2015 when we were just starting our child sponsorship program. And when he passed in February of 2017, uh, the mantle really passed on to Mom Jane. She was uh, walking in fear and trepidation at that time. She said, I'm not called to be a pastor and I'm not called to be an executive director. And I went over for the funeral and I said, yes, you are. You, you can do this. And uh, it's just been such a joy to walk with her the past couple of years. Many of you do know um, that we have been undertaking a construction project. Our first um, home for Patty's Heart was about 26, 2700 square feet, very, very small, housed 30-some kids. And at one point in time, there were almost 50 children in the building that was built to house, I think, 30 or 32. And so we uh, got two acres of land and just finished the main building, and the children were able to move in around the end of November, just in time to have their first Christmas in their new home. So we have about a two-minute clip that I would like to show you uh, just so that you can see the fruit of your labor. I want to thank you so much. We have a lot of child sponsors in this congregation. Uh, the church itself sends support on a monthly basis towards food and expenses for Patty's Heart Children's Home, and many of you have been faithful donors in the past. So I want to extend my thank you so much for what you have helped us uh, to do in Kenya. Bless this house with your presence. Bless this house with your
I also want to mention, thank you, Pastor Karen, uh, that uh, we have some of the, the children in here. She reminded me that on several different occasions during vacation Bible school, the offering went to help Patty's heart. And so uh, you guys helped to build one of the walls of the new building. And also when you saw those new swings and the new slide, and there's going to be a new merry-go-round, your vacation Bible school money was what purchased those, those things for the playground for the kids. So give yourselves a hand, kids. Okay. So we, we love it when children have a heart for missions and when children have a heart uh, for uh, the work of the, of the Lord. So I'm going to introduce Mom Jane to you now. Uh, she is the executive director of Patty's Heart Children's Home and has been since February of 2017. Uh, she is going to share a lot of her story tonight. I know she has some things even on her heart uh, that Holy Spirit spoke to her to share specifically with, with the church. So you're going to get to hear a little bit of preaching after we share. And um, I just want you to, again, please extend your hands and your hearts to this incredible, incredible woman of God. I'm going to ask her to remember to talk slowly, okay? Um, and if she talks, when she's sharing some of the success stories, if she talks about a girl who was affected and she's going to, affected by our very first eye clinic, and she's going to be graduating, that girl is actually studying uh, to be an optometrist. Mom Jane has a little bit of trouble remembering that word, so we we uh, want to get that out of the way. So when she talks about Mary and she's going to be an eye doctor, that's exactly what, what's happening there. So I'm going to let her share the early years, and then I'll kind of come in and pick it up when Open Word got involved. Good evening, everyone. It's a honor and great privilege to be here this evening, and I give God all the glory for allowing me to be here to share a bit of what we are doing there in Kenya with you helping us to do what we are doing. I want, first of all, to bring greetings to you from my family, my three children. They knew that I would be here today, and they sent me with greetings. I also came with greetings from the children of Patty's Heart and all the workers. They sent greetings to you, and my church is aware that I am here. They also sent greetings to you. I would also want to appreciate each one of you for the gesture of coming in to stand with us when the burden was too heavy for us, when we felt like we cannot move another inch, you, step in, you stepped in and you came to our help and you have been helping us to maintain and to keep up these kids. You have given us a home. You have given jobs to the community because we have employed people at Patty's Heart. We are really grateful to God and to you for stretching, accepting to stretch your hand towards us and to help us to do this job. We can never forget what you are doing. And we thank God for you every day. We pray for you every day. We ask God to remember you every day because you have come into our lives to assist us and to help us where we were not able to do so. With that, I want to share at the first part of Patty's Heart, uh, the history of Patty's Heart. And I would want to say, most of you knew pa Pastor Ben Amwai, who, was, who, is, who, was, who is my late husband. This vision was begun by a man who had a burden for orphans and desperate children in our community. He himself being 
he was left, his father passed away when he was young, and later on his mother passed away, and he knew what it meant to struggle in life, so he got a burden of kids, and this vision was born through the zeal and the burden that he had in heart because of what he had gone through. We got married back in 1992, December, and we had our first experience of staying with a, a, a child when we didn't have our own kid. So after honeymoon, around three months after our marriage, uh, after our wedding, we, we, the place we went to stay, there was a woman who was there, and she was going through, she lost her job, and she was going through a very trying time. So she had a, 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 a child that was about two years old, and she didn't have a house. She, when her house was locked, we felt pity upon her, and we asked ourselves, should we let this woman continue suffering with the, these small kids? And we requested her, could you allow us to stay with your child as you look for an alternative way? And she allowed us to stay with her kid, and we stayed with her until this woman settled. So when we got married, my husband was working in Colgate and Palmolive as a salesperson, and I was a hair stylist. When we got our firstborn son seven months after our son was born, my husband resigned and he entered full-time ministry. And I was very devastated because this was an upcoming young family, and full-time ministry in Kenya or in Africa is not like here. It's where you enter full-time ministry. It is you and your God. The way you do it with your God, that is, that is it. So I was very devastated because of he stopped working. And we began, we had a lot of struggle. So I continued with the, my work providing for the family. And he, went to be, he became a full-time in our church. Later, about four years, in 1996, it's around uh, four years after he resigned, 1996, they began to go to the place where we are now. We have a church in Soi, and they began, as a church, we began going there for outreaches, and he was leading the team that was going there for outreaches. And many people got saved in that place, and our pastor suggested that he should go there and begin a church there. It was not the best place you would love to go. It was a place that didn't have a spiritual church, and it is a place that was full of witchcraft and occultic stronghold was strong in that area. It was not a place you could desire to go, but he went there and began a church there. So I continued working as he went on with the ministry work until 1998. He shifted to Soy together with my son, and I was left in Eldoret Town working and providing for them. So when we went to Soy, we met, there was a big number of kids. That time there were kids who were left by HIV AIDS. Some of them are still in Patty's heart, but they are almost completing their education. So we began having kids in our home. Children would come to our home, and we began taking care of kids in our home. We, they, they could come with our son. Sometimes they could come and stay in our home, and we had around 10 kids. By the time we were coming to 2000, we were almost having 10 kids in our home, in our house. We were not able to provide much for them, 
maybe only food and taking them to primary school education. And for the high school, we could not make it to, to help them. So we stayed with the kids in our small home. And in, back in 2006, the number had grown to 17 children. Ten of them were staying with us, and the other seven were staying with their guardians, but they could always come to our home to eat and then go to their, to, to their guardians to, to, for a night. So we began feeding program. So we began providing for them lunch, and sometimes porridge in the evening so that it can sustain them to the next day. In 2008, 2010, we, I have a prayer partner, and she's my closest, my, my closest friend. As we were praying, with the struggle of keeping these kids, as we were praying, this woman, God spoke to her and told her, Go and tell this family that I am going to, to, to send them help, to come and help me to them to continue with this work. In the first place, we never had a vision of having a, a children's home. It was not in our minds. We were taking care of the kids that we felt we were able to take care of. So God spoke to this woman and told her, go and tell them, I am going to send help for them. They should continue praying. So this woman, she was my prayer partner. She came to me and she told me, Jane, this is what God is saying, that you should pray. God is going to send you help. And for me, because of the struggle we had gone through, it is like I looked at her and I said, it's, is it possible, Didi? And what kind of help will God send us now? But I told her, because God has spoken, and I believe in God, and I, in obedience, I will pray. But in me, I think I had a lot of doubt about the voice of God. I had a lot of doubt, but we entered prayers. So we prayed in that 2010, in July, and August, and September, and then we forgot about the whole issue of praying about help that was coming from where God knows where. So we forgot about the, the whole issue. Then in October 2010, after two months of the, uh, 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 since we stopped praying, we received an international call. It was around nine at night in Kenya, which was around one here. We received an international call, and we were arguing who could be calling us from an international call. We don't have a friend abroad, so who could be calling us? And it's like we had some doubt, but anyway, we said, no, you receive the call, and let's see what is coming up. So the call was from our bishop, Bishop Ruben Jule. He was here. I think he was at Sandra's place, and he called us, and he asked my husband, do you still keep the kids in your home? And it kind of, it's, Bishop knows we keep kids. Why is he asking such a question? And then he asked the next question. Would you want me to bring people who will build a home for you for these kids? And my husband said yes. But me, I thought, this is too much. Somebody coming to build a home. One, we didn't even have a vision of having a home. It's like this one. It's like I'm not sure about it. Okay, he has called us, but I'm not sure about it. But indeed, God made it. In 2011, August, Reverend Sandra came to Soy. 
with a team of 30 men and women from United States, and the old building of Patti's Hut was begun. As the Lord had promised that woman, let them pray, I'm going to send help. For sure, God did send us help. And I think from there, that's why I told her to remain. I would want her to share the other part of the telephone. And <laughs> thank you. Now you get the other side. Uh, I started going to Kenya in 2008. That's where I met when I met Bishop Rubin. And for the first couple of years that uh, we took teams there, we did various construction pro pro uh, projects. I wanted to say problems, and they were not projects. Um, and in 2011, when, when we got back from 2010, uh, a good friend of mine, Patty Markle, uh, had gone on that trip. She worked with the children. She fell in love with the children, and the children absolutely loved her. And um, she got sick just before we came home. Two days after we came home, she ended up in the hospital and with stage four cancer. That was just a total shock and surprise to all of us. She passed a month later. And so in the meantime, we're planning to go back to Kenya in 2011 to do some work on Bishop Rubin's church because he has a church in, the, in a heavily Muslim slum in Nairobi. Uh, but Bishop Rubin came to the States that fall, and he, he and I were together, and he started telling me about this pastor friend out in this very tiny village of soy in western Kenya who had been taking in children, and he thought he still took children in, but he wanted to check. And he said to me, would you be willing to have the team that goes next year build a home for this man and his wife and the children that they're in? And I said, well, I'll pray about it. And I prayed about it, got back to Bishop Rubin, and I said, yes, I believe that God's hand is upon this. I only have one request. I would very much like to name the, the, the home Patty's Heart Children's Home after my friend Patty, who had just passed away. And so we began to plan. Uh, when we sent the team over there in August, most of them went out to Soy. I stayed in Nairobi uh, to do some pastor's conferences. And then Bishop Rubin and Pastor Rich and I went out to Soy that Friday to dedicate. We, by that time, they had the foundation laid. Um, they sent this team, a team that they had not met before, absolutely no. She wouldn't even go to the airport. She was that skeptical. She refused to go to the airport to meet the team. So Pastor Ben met them, met them by himself. They started uh, the foundation for that small house that uh, eventually became our first home. Over the years, we did improvements to that. And uh, we went over to Kenya several times because the, the house was just overflowing with children, and we knew we wanted to, to build a bigger complex. In May of 2017, uh, this was several months after Pastor Ben uh, passed away, Mom Jane uh, let us know that she had found some land that she was very interested in. So one of the construction guys and I flew over, and we, uh, we bought the, the initial land, two acres, and began the process. We laid the foundation in January of 2018, uh, I believe it was, and as you see, the, uh, the, the building is almost finished. There's, there's a lot of stuff to be done yet, a lot of little stuff to be done, some buildings to be completed. The, uh, the initial project also had a very small home uh, for Mom Jane, which we haven't started yet. That's our next, uh, that's our next goal to, to do that. Today, we have an 8,700-foot complex. The children um, 
have showers for the first time in their lives. They had to be trained on how to use showers. They have flush toilets. Most of the children had never even seen flush toilets before. They had to be trained in, in using the toilets. Uh, and it's been such an absolute, absolute blessing for them. We're excited uh, about what God has done. And I'm going to let her share some of the success stories. We are so proud of the children that we have. Our child sponsorship program doesn't stop when they're 18 because we really believe that we want to see these kids through college and university. When you talk to these kids and you say, what is Sandy Padaletti can attest for this? What, what are the most important things in your life? And they say, Jesus. And what's the second most important thing? They want to get a good education so they can make Kenya a better country. And so that's what we want to help them with. So not only are we supporting them through their primary and their uh, high school years, we support them through college and university. And we have had teachers and social workers and drivers and hairstylists. Some of the kids don't want to go to college. They want to go to training schools. And uh, we have medical technicians. We have chefs. We have uh, Mary, who's going to be an optometrist. There, I said it again for you. How's that? Um, and uh, so, so many other success stories. So she's going to share just very briefly a little bit about what kind of children Patty's Heart takes in, what, what their backgrounds are, and then some of the success stories. So thank you so much. We do have some books. The kids wrote a devotional about two years ago. So uh, we do have a book table then out, out in the hallway. So Patty's Heart has become a home for several categories of kids. The first category of kids that uh, have found a home in Patty's Heart are total orphans who are orphaned they, maybe by HIV or by other calamities. The kids lost their parents and they didn't have any other place to stay. And in this category, we have two very successful cases of the girl, uh, Mary, who she is talking about, she's an eye doctor with the other name she can pronounce. I'm unable to pronounce that name. <laughs> you can bear with me. So Mary was left by her mother when she was, she had done her class eight. I don't know what you call them here. Maybe she would explain later. She would explain later. She has just done her class eight and her mother passed on. And she was a single mother and they were residing in Nairobi. And her grandmother, a very old woman, was living in Soi. So when her mother passed on, she was forced to go to and stay with her grandmother, who was not able to take her to school. And then the girl was very devastated, and she almost went, uh, took another way out. And somebody advised the grandmother, there is somebody who can help you in Soi. And this person sent her to my husband. And when she came that time, we had not begun about the, the uh, sponsorship program. But anyway, we took her to school, to a day school in a nearby school. And she went there, we began struggling. But as we were struggling to see her through, then I, Sandra made up her mind to begin the sponsorship program. And she was one of the beneficiaries of the, the, the sponsorship program. She is an, an, a, in university, Masinde Muriro University in Western Kenya, taking uh, the course she's taking, and she will be a doctor and a graduate by the end of this year. We have the second category. They say, they say in that category, we have another young man. He was, he, she, he was just a neighbor from where we were living. 
the mother passed on. She was also a single mother, and she was, he was left with an elderly lady. And he came to stay with our, in our house that time before we begin Patty's Heart. He came with my sons, and they began living in our house. And we took her, him in. When sponsorship began, he was able to go and he became he did a course of lab technician. But as he was moving on with his education, he met the the uh, uh, activist, the climate change activist. When she was in, he was in school. He met them and they began training him to be an activist and to be their representative in the Western Kenya. And after he finished his college, these guys took him and employed him on online job. And recently, he was declared or he was promoted and he became among the 10 most influential youth in Kenya. He's going all over the world uh, representing the climate change, Kenya chapter. Recently, he was in Britain, he was in Iceland, he was in Sweden for, this, for, the, for the same. That is the category of the orphans. And then the next category that we have, we have the uh, category of abandoned children. Because of the high cost of life in Kenya, so many kids are getting abandoned by their parents. So we have a child, he's now nine years. We got him when he was one year. He was abandoned when he was one and a half years. He didn't even know who, who his name. He didn't even know who, whose parent he was. He couldn't even speak well. And he was brought to us and we accommodated him. Now Brian is nine years and he's in class four and doing very well. We have another one called Samuel. Samuel was abandoned by both parents when life became hard. And for three years he was moving in the center near the place where the parents abandoned him. Borrowing food and collecting food on the roadside and the, the dump places and the neighbors reported it to the police and the children officer came and took him and brought him to us. Brian has gotten, Samuel has gotten a home. We have the third category of assaulted children. They are children who have both parents, both father and mother, but they are dangerous to stay with. We have peace. Peace was is in form one. He came to us when he was in, she came to us when she was in class five. And she was battered by her own mother. And then the mother was arrested and she was taken and the parents were declared unsuitable to stay with their with the kid. And then the fourth category is the, the, the children left by the family members. And we have the category, we have one kid, a girl, her mother had passed on. And then she was taken by another of the relative, and wherever she went, the man turned to her. So the neighbors reported it, and then she was brought to us as the man was arrested. So what I want to say is this. All these categories of kids, are some of them have been very traumatized, have gone through very various things that have traumatized their lives. But when they have come to us, in this home, God has helped us to, to nurture them and to help them, to embrace them, to speak to them, to show them love to, so that they can heal from the trauma they have gone through. So I want to say this as I, as I, I finish my history. 
what you have been doing is much for us. And may the Lord bless you because such kids, I keep on asking myself, maybe if we never had a place to keep these kids, what could have happened to them? But now these kids have found a home. They have found a place to stay. They have found hope. They are getting education and we are preparing them to be to have a better future. I keep on telling them, the only good thing you can do to the person who is paying your school fees, it is to work hard and better your life. For this I say, may the Lord bless you. Every one of you that have stepped in to help these kids to reach where they are, may the good Lord bless you. <laughs> Thank you very much. So I want to take a very brief moment to, to share something from the Bible. And my message is always one. And this is what I, feel, I normally feel in my heart, that we are here that we may seek God until we find him. We are here. We are here on earth. God has left us here on earth that we may seek him until we find him in our lives, in our community, in our churches, in our countries. I want to read from the book of Acts of Apostles, chapter, 20, chapter 17, verse 26 and 27. Acts, chapter 17, verse 26 and 27. Verse 26, and has made of one blood of all the nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined the time of the times before appointed and the board of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. I love this, uh, these two scriptures because this is what has defined my life and this is what has kept me where I, I am. I remember when we began the church in Soy, I never loved Soy because Soy was a, a terrible place. Soy was a place of witchcraft. Soy was a place where people who have done, uh, let's say they have done evils from other areas were coming to hide. It was a place that was known whenever you could go to Soy, people would ask you, why, why of all the places do you choose to go to Soy? And now we come to realize that my husband said he has a calling in Soy. I never loved Soy. I didn't want to settle in Soy because I was afraid of what was happening. But one time, the more I tried to move out of Soy, the more I was staying. The more I was struggling to make, to make way to come out of Soy, the more I was finding myself settling there. And by the end of the day, I came to settle in Soy. That's when I came to uh, about uh, this scripture. And the Bible is telling us in the book of Acts chapter 17, verse 26, that God made people, men, from the blood of one man. We all know where we came from, from Adam and Eve. And his intention was that men should fill the face of the earth. And the Bible says in that verse 26, he determined their time of living and number two, their place of habitation. So when I read this verse, I realized that the time that I am living, it was determined by God a long time ago. 
Before even I was born, God determined my time of living. And that is why I, I was not there in 18. Sometimes I admire in Kenya or in Africa the life that our forefathers used to live. Sometimes I admire there was a lot of peace, though there were so many things that were happening. But when you read about what they were doing, you realize there was a lot of peace. And you feel like I would have wanted to live at that time. But this word is telling us it is God who determined your time of living. That is why we are here today. That is why you are alive today. That is why I am alive today because God planned it from the beginning. That a time like this, a person like you will be alive. You will not, that's why God has spared you. You did not die of COVID. We have not died of malaria and typhoid. We are here because th this time was defined by God. And then number two, he decided our place of habitation. That at this time, you will be alive. And at this time, you will be in Bethlehem Church. You will be living in Harrisburg. You will be living in Soy. You will you will be living in wherever place that you are living. So uh, there is something that have interested me in United States, which is not common in Kenya. You cannot know the boundaries of someone's home. There is no boundaries. Me, I, I, have, I have just seen where there is barbed wire around. It's where there are horses and cows. But in Kenya, even if your land is one meter, you make sure there is a fence. So you know this is Jane's boundary. And you know this is the other person's boundary. But United States, I have not seen. At Sandra's, I, I keep on looking at and asking myself, now where is the boundary between Sandra and her neighbor? There is nothing that can show you where the boundary is. And that is how God is. He says that he has determined our time of living and our place, the bound of our habitation. What does that mean? In the heavens, there is a boundary that God has put for you to live in. That is why we struggle. Some of us, we have struggled not wanting to live in soy. Some of us have struggled not wanting to be where we are, but we have not been able to go because in the spiritual realm, there is somebody who has put a boundary of where we should live. Praise the Lord. It is God who put our boundaries. It is God who have determined where we should be. So when I realized this, I, it, it came, I, it's like my mind woke up and I began asking myself, then God, why did you keep me in soy? Why am I supposed to be in soy? Verse 27 says that we may seek him. He has determined our time of living and our place of habitation. For what reason? That we may seek him until we find him. Praise the Lord. And he adds there, seek him. There is a word that comes in Kiswahili about this scripture. About, it's like when you are searching something in darkness. It is dark and you want to search something. Though you are searching in darkness, though you are not sure, look at the story of Patty's heart. We are feeding kids. We do not know what is ahead of us. We have children. We have a heart to take care of them. We are not able to take care of them well. And God in heaven sees the searching that we have, and he begins to, to prompt us, begin to pray. And we, 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 we prayed Sandra in. We prayed her. We called God. We told God, God, bring this help. You know, even in that 
not being sure because as for me I was not even sure whether I am praying the right thing. I was not even sure whether what I'm doing is the right thing. I was not sure how God could bring help from another place to help us to do something. But in that seeking God, even in foolishness, even in it's like we were doubting, but in that seeking God, in his right time he came. So this scripture is telling us we have been put where we are at this time of, uh, we are living in and the boundaries have been put for us for what purpose that we may seek God but adventure we might find him though he be not far from us God is not far from each one of us he's not far he may look like he's silent that he's not answering that he's not hearing that he's not there we are not the first person to to to, to pray to a God that look like he's not answering there was a time the the disciples went into the lake and there was a storm and Jesus was sleeping and the guys went and asked him, Jesus, how can you sleep when we are almost perishing? Those circumstances are always there. But those, that, that does not mean God is not there. God is there and he is hearing us. So the little purpose that God has kept us and have laid our boundaries and our time of living, it is so that we may seek him until we find him. So the question is, have we found God in our Jerusalem? Have we found God in our families? Have we found God in our churches? Praise the Lord. Have we found God? That is the question. We are here. We are in our families. Like in Africa, there are so many, many things that happens in families. You might get married to a family and you realize it's a family that have generational witchcraft. And you realize that the husband you married to was the one who was supposed to inherit that witchcraft. So, and you are already in that home. So what do you do? Do you run away? God is saying, the, the purpose I brought you in that home is that you may seek me until I am found in that home. That is the purpose, that you may seek him. I surely tell people, Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all the other things shall be added unto you. I don't mean that people shouldn't do business. I also do business. I don't mean that people should not work in the farm. I also do farming. But I mean, God wants us to give him the first place in our lives. As we do all other things, he needs us to give him the first place in our lives. And how do we give him the first place? It is when we learn to stay in his presence in prayer, seeking him and seeking direction and guidance until we find him. In, in Isaiah 62, let's read the Isaiah 62, verse 6 and verse 7. Isaiah 62. Verse 6 and verse 7. I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Ye that make mention of the name of the Lord, keep not silent, and give him no rest till he establish, until he make Jerusalem a praise on earth. Praise the Lord. That we as people who call upon the name of the Lord, God was talking to, Isaiah was talking to the walls of Jerusalem. And this was the word from God. 
and God was telling the walls of Jerusalem, I have kept watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem. And I, I, I wonder, God addressing a wall, what was happening with the wall? Definitely there was a cry from the wall. When things are happening in our families, in our churches, in our nation, the cry goes to God. And when God hears the cry, he answers the cities, he answers the churches, he answers the families, I've raised watchmen upon your walls. And who are these watchmen? Watchmen are you and me who call upon the name of the Lord. He's not looking at those people who are not saved. He's not looking at the drunkards and witches and sorcerers. He's not looking at the politicians. But he's looking at the people who are called by his name. The people that he has placed at this time and put their boundaries. He's looking at them. Whenever there is a problem in Kenya, there is a problem in the United States, there is a problem in our churches, sometimes we tend to talk so much. But the issue is we are not supposed to talk so much. God is counting on us. We have been laced, we who, who, who call on the name of the Lord, we have been laced as watchmen. And then the question comes, if you have a watchman at your home or your business premises, and then the premises is broken. Whether that watchman was bound and the place was, was broken, who is the, the first suspect? Who is the first suspect? When you employ a watchman at your gate and your home is broken and stolen, who is the, the first suspect? The watchman. What do you think? We are watchmen. When United States is broken and the devil comes in, who is the first suspect? You can answer that yourself. I have laced watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem. When things are going bad in America, watchmen are there. You will be the first suspect before God. Praise the Lord. We, we are the first suspects. When the things are going wrong in our own family, and we are there, we, Christians, I don't know about here, but in Kenya, we love rejoicing when other people are, things are happening, even in our churches. You see somebody saying, oh, so-and-so did this. I knew it. I knew it will happen. I knew it. And then you find a story to go from one place to another telling people about what happened. But in the real sense, God has laced you as a watchman. Remember there was a time Jesus saw. He saw Peter and the devil was wanted to, to destroy Peter. And he prayed for Peter. And he set an example for us. Whenever we see whatever we see, it's not our time to go and talk about it to people. It's our, uh, about us to pray and to seek God until Jerusalem become a place on earth. So Jesus prayed for Peter. After praying for Peter, he goes and tells Peter, Peter, you know what? I saw the devil, and this is what he wants to do to you, but I prayed for you. And when you will stand, strengthen your brothers. Praise the Lord. So we, some, some of these things, we don't need to go and talk about them. We need to stand and seek God and pray because that is our responsibility. So God has put us wherever we are. He knows us. He knows you. He knows where you come from. He has put you wherever you are at a time like this that you may stand as a watchman and seek him until Jerusalem become a place on earth. Praise the Lord. Let us pray.
Father, we thank you for this privilege that you have given us to be watchmen in your kingdom. We pray that, God, you are going to help us, Lord, each day to realize that you have put us at this time and in this place with a purpose that we may seek you and find you. We thank you for this noble calling. We thank you that you will give us the grace to stand in every area of our lives wherever we are, that we may seek you until we find you in our Jerusalem. We thank you and we bless your name. For this we pray, believing and trusting in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.